Are you struggling to figure out how you'll achieve net zero emissions for your company? Smart Energy Decisions is committed to your success and invites you to the inaugural Net Zero Forum September 12th through 14th at the beautiful JW Marriott Desert Ridge Resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. You'll learn, network with peers, and conduct business planning sessions with prospective suppliers who can help you succeed as the only event devoted entirely to your net zero success. This will simply be the single most productive event you'll attend all year. Qualified energy customer executives are eligible for a Smart Energy Decisions educational grant that will cover travel, accommodations, and event registration. Spots are limited, so reserve yours today by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting smartenergydecisions.com. All of our city facilities are 100% green energy. We are the first large city in the country. We run what's called a residential aggregation program where we bundle all of our residents together, we take it out to the market, and we try and secure a lower price. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome to Smart Energy Voices. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast. If so, please go ahead and take a minute to leave us a review on your preferred podcast player. Today, we're sharing a talk from our Renewable Energy Forum, where Michael Forrester, Director of the Office of Environment and Sustainability for the City of Cincinnati, talked about their plans and strategies. The electrification of cities is so complex, and Michael shares insights on how originally Acting like a corporation led Cincinnati to implement its 100 megawatt PPA. Here's Michael Forrester. John, thank you very much for uh, inviting me to talk to you guys about Cincinnati's journey. The city of Cincinnati has pretty big, ambitious climate goals. We do a climate action plan every five years called the Green Cincinnati Plan. Our most recent plan was, com- was completed in 2018. It lays out 80 recommendations to reduce our carbon 80% by 2050. It is our third iteration of the plan, and really it is a community document. It is not something that me and my office hide in a room and create. It's an engaging session where we go out into the public, we go out into the community, we address the community stakeholders, technical expertise, and we try to build a document that really reflects what the community is looking for in their climate action plan. So in the 2018 plan, what we did was we conveyed over 30 different public meetings. We received over 1,400 public comments. And then we went into the back room and put together our recommendations. One of those recommendations was specifically to, to contract for a 25 megawatt solar array for city operations. We are starting to see real impact with this plan. So this Green Cincinnati plan, of those 80 recommendations that we laid out in 2018, we have accomplished or are on the way to accomplishing approximately 85% of them. One of the things that I like to stress both to my community 
and to my policy leaders, to my mayor, to my city council, is that the Green Cincinnati Plan truly is a plan of action. And that when we put a recommendation in the Green Cincinnati Plan, we work hard to make sure that happens. Now, of course, 15% of those recommendations did not happen. Interestingly enough, a large number of reasons why those recommendations didn't happen were due to either A, state policy restrictions. Being in the state of Ohio, we do have an active legislature that sometimes if they do not like what a city is doing will preempt us. They will usurp our authority to regulate certain things. And so then some of the other recommendations, you know, we, we bought into technologies that potentially weren't quite 100% ready. What comes to my mind right now is automated vehicles. Five years ago, everyone thought we, we would have 100% automated vehicles. We put it in the plan. Mm, didn't quite happen. But that's okay. Because the plan is meant to be ambitious. It's meant to be all-encompassing. And if you have that, you're not going to hit all of them out of the park. And that's okay. And we're starting to see that we're having a real impact. So the city of Cincinnati has reduced its carbon emissions through the Green Cincinnati Plan approximately 36 to 37% in the past 10-ish years. And if you do the math, that puts us at a 2% and the goal of 80% reduction by 2050, that puts us at 2% per year. And so the city of Cincinnati is actually on its glide path to achieving its climate action goals. But why are we doing this? So being a municipality, I have to be responsive to my residents. And my residents are being impacted by climate change in a very real way. So in Cincinnati, climate change looks like hotter summers. We've already risen two degrees. We'll raise approximately six to seven more degrees by century end. The Cincinnati that, that our residents' parents grew up in is no more. And we will resemble, by the end of the century, Little Rock, Arkansas in the summer, and Washington, D.C. in the winter. So we know that our built environment that our city was originally built for is no more. We also know that climate change looks like intensifying rainstorms. In the past 10 years, we've had 10 100-year rainstorm events. And I'm not a, a meteorologist, but that doesn't sound right to me. So we are seeing increased water. Those storms are containing 37% more water than they have previously. And frankly, our sewers can't take it. They weren't designed to take it. So what you see up there in the top is actually a 12-foot sewer main that had so much water running through it, it blew out the side. It flooded the, the Xavier University soccer field with 12 feet of water. We are also seeing our hills move. Cincinnati is a city of seven hills. Those hills are contained with there's no real bedrock. It is, it is a clay, a clay soil. So when the water gets, when the soil gets super saturated, it slumps. It's having a real impact on my residents. It's having a real impact on my city budget. MSD, our sewer department, has spent over $150 million in the past 10 years cleaning up sewer backups in people's basements. That picture right that you see right there on the, on the left hand side, is a main transportation artery in the city of Cincinnati called Columbia Parkway. We literally took the budget for a new police station to repair that hill. That's a $17 million hill. And as a result, I don't have a new police station. So climate is having a very real impact to our residents. And because of the Green Cincinnati Plan, we're very active in energy initiatives. 
So we are trying to reduce our carbon footprint, but we're also trying to be leaders both in the region and nationally. So we've got a number of policy initiatives up there. We have over 28 solar installations, 1.8 megawatts of solar power on city facilities. We have the nation's first net zero police station, which means that it produces as much energy as it consumes. And what's really cool about that police station is that it's a damn good police station. Because if it didn't work, and this is the whole Cincinnati motto, if it didn't work, there's no reason for doing it. All of our city facilities are 100% green energy. We are the first large city in the country. We run what's called a residential aggregation program. And this is actually very important for where I'm going later. But we essentially think of it as Sam's Clubs for Energy, where we bundle all of our residents together, we take it out to the market, and we try and secure a lower price. We have over 83,000 residential accounts that participate in this program, and we save, compared to our local utility, we save approximately 16%, and it's 100% green. We're the fourth largest green energy aggregation program in the country. We also do a residential SolarEyes program. If you guys aren't familiar with SolarEyes, again, that's a bulk buying model for residents where we pool our residents together, we go out to the market, and we try and get a low price for a solar installer so that they can put solar on their house. But what I'm really here to talk about is this guy. This is Paul Simon. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Paul Simon. And some of you have heard this story before. So about five years ago, then Mayor John Cranley called me into his office. And let me tell you what, five years ago, I didn't interact with the mayor very much. And he called me into his office and he said, Michael, I went to a Paul Simon concert. One of the advantages of being the mayor is you get to meet the acts. And Paul Simon said to me, what are you guys doing about climate change? And I said, well, you know, list gave off our list. And he's like, that's not big enough. What are you going to do to go big? And so the mayor was literally driving home from the Paul Simon concert. He drove past our large waterworks facility. Waterworks, water and sewer are about 70% of our overall electricity load. And he said, I want to make that run on solar. Can I do it? And I had actually gone to one of these events about six months before in case this question happened to come up. Um, and I said, yeah, I think we can do it. You know, I've looked at the corporate models. I've looked at how people do this. I think we as the city of Cincinnati can do this. And so that's how the solar project was born. It started out as a 25 megawatt solar array for city operations. Our goal, because we are a deregulated state, we have the ability to choose where our energy comes from. And so we utilized the dereg environment. We utilized our existing budget and... We tried to make this work. We had a couple of goals when we did this. One, obviously, is to reduce our city's carbon footprint. Two, is to serve as a budget hedge for city operations. You all are energy nerds out there, I assume. You know that when solar produces energy, energy costs are at the highest. We want to improve our local Cincinnati air quality. We wanted to create jobs. We wanted this to be local or at least regionally close to the city of Cincinnati so that our residents could take part in the construction of this array. And we thought maybe, just maybe, we could actually spin off some sort of revenue from this solar array as well. And so what eventually evolved, starting as a 25 megawatt solar array, turned into a 100 megawatt solar array because then Mayor Cranley just wanted to do more. He wanted to go bigger. He wanted to, he kept telling me, no, 
Now, bigger, bigger, bigger. So it actually, in order to achieve the scale that we needed to get to 100 megawatts, because at 100 megawatts, you achieve scale. You can, you guys all know this. You can, your prices come down. And the only way that we could do that is we couldn't do it with city operations alone. We had to tap into our residential aggregation program. We had to figure out how to bring solar into our residential aggregation program and use that load of 83,000 residents to help achieve scale. So the contract is actually broken into two parts. One is the 35 megawatts for city operations. And I'll talk about that a little bit. This is your most common direct power purchase agreement, similar to what many of, many of you have done, where the city maintains the recs, the energy, and also any capacity rights to the array itself. The array dumps the electrons onto the grid. We get credited through our PJM sub-account. Bada bing, bada boom. We get the power. It was very important to size it at 35 megawatts because that is the city's instantaneous load. We are a municipality. We are very risk adverse, which is one of the reasons why we did direct power purchase agreements. BPPAs could be great, but they could also go very poorly for us. Because if I go upside down, I don't have anything to write off. I'm literally laying people off or I'm not buying police cars. My name goes in the newspaper. It's not good. So we wanted to make sure that we scaled it to the right size, which is about 35 megawatts during when the array would be producing. Our overall load is about 45 megawatts, but we sh that's because we pump most of our water at night. So that's how we got to the 35 megawatt number. But the second one, the second one is what's innovative. The second one is bringing, is a 65 megawatt PPA that's bringing the solar directly to the residents. And this one was about partnership. We worked, well, the firm in Cincinnati is called Dynagy, but they go by a different name. It's Vistra. So we worked with Vistra. And basically what we did was we used the aggregation program as a carrot. And we said, as we went to the market, we said, market, we've got these 83,000 residential accounts. We've got all of this power. And we'll give you this. We'll give you this. We'll give you this for long term. But what we need you to do is we need you to sign a PPA on our behalf. And they did. It was very, 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 very important that we as the city of Cincinnati did not sign that PPA. Because... If something went wrong, if, if there were legislative changes that got rid of the aggregation program, we as the city would be exposed. So by working with Vistra, who is a generator of power and a electricity aggregation provider, we were able to des design a PPA that was coterminous with the aggregation program. So when the aggregation program goes away, the PPA ends. And we were also able to maintain the rights to the recs and the rights to the capacity for the solar array. And so by putting these two PPAs together, and let me tell you what, this was contract upon contract upon contract. I think there were six contracts to make this whole thing work. We were able to achieve that scale that we needed to lower our price to make the whole thing pencil. And of course, the whole thing pencils, as we said earlier, because when the solar array is producing, that's when energy is the highest. It was a peak summertime hedge. That's how I was able to sell it to my budget office. 
is that I'm protecting the city from energy spikes. And boy, did we, have we seen energy spikes. So when this array was originally envisioned, we estimated that we would save approximately $2 million over the course of the contract. It was pretty much you know, a neutral contract. We did it because it was the right thing to do. We did it to protect the city. We did it for all of the reasons that I listed, listed previously. But given the current state of energy pricing, of that 35 megawatt array, we have 24 megawatts online that went online May 20th. If we would buy that energy in a 12-year strip versus what the solar array is going to produce for the, just the 24 megawatts, we are already saving $4.6 million. So that's a very serious, serious financial hedge on the city's part that worked out very, very well for us. We also built the contract to monetize the capacity. And so those that are familiar, PJM makes a payment to generators to be online if they need it. And so they hold an auction every year to select which generators get into that capacity market. Again, partnerships. We worked with Vistra Energy to actually monetize the capacity, to bid the array into the PJM marketplace, and we were successful last year. So this coming year, the city of Cincinnati will receive about $600,000 in direct payment from PJM. Ask me Thursday or Friday if, we're, if it's going to happen na- next year, because that's, that's when the auction's taking place. I don't know. But from a budgetary perspective, I always sold it to my budget office is there's some gravy here that we're going to try and go get, but I can't promise it. So when I showed up with a $600,000 check, they were very, very excited. And we'll see if we get in next year. We'll see what the market looks like. I've made no promises. I've said, please don't budget this money. I would rather under-promise and over-deliver. So we were very successful with that as well, thanks, thanks to Vistra. Additional benefits of this array is it's close. It's 40 miles outside of the city of Cincinnati in Highland County which means that local union jobs have been created from this array. On site at peak construction, we had almost 200 people per day out there placing steel in the ground, placing wires, panels, all of those sorts of things. And it's also providing a local payment to the local community because Ohio has what's called a a, a pilot program, a, a payment in lieu of taxes. And so every year, that local government and local school system will receive approximately $900,000. And that continues throughout the life of the whole array. So there's benefits to the city of Cincinnati from an energy perspective, from a revenue perspective, but there's also benefits to the local community as well. And what we're really excited about, in addition, is that there's a workforce training component to this. So we assigned what was called a project to labor agreement as a requirement of this array meaning that there had to be training, there had to be certain benefits to the workers. But when you look at Ohio and you look at the development that's going on in Ohio right now, we have approximately 450 megawatts online. In the queue, there's about 4,500. So we know that this development will continue. And so we as the city of Cincinnati were very conscious about making sure that a local labor force was trained so that they could continue to make improvements to build solar arrays just as any other construction field going forward. And like I said, we 
We broke ground in May of last year. We have approximately 24 megawatts that are online right now. We'll put on the rest of the 76 over the course of the year. We hope to have the thing fully energized and delivering power to our residents by the end of this year. And that will also result in a lowering of their utility bills as well. So what's next? We have the federal infrastructure bill coming. And in the city of Cincinnati, the talk is all about the Brent Spence Bridge, the giant bridge that 4% of the United States GDP crosses every day. We hope to get that replaced, but there's also a whole lot more in that infrastructure bill that we hope to do as well. From electric vehicles, to investments in public transit, to connections of communities, to investments in our low income and communities of color, these are all things that we have coming at us, and we're very excited as they continue to roll forward. We're also working hard to electrify our city assets. We at the city of Cincinnati own parking, lots and lots and lots of parking. And so as we look to electrify, as we look to position ourselves for the infrastructure dollars, we need to look at how to electrify our assets and use it as an asset. We need to look what is the business model that we as the city need to put forward to electrify our right-of-ways, to electrify our parking garages, to electrify our neighborhood business districts. And can I do that in a way so I'm not operating a gas station? Our expertise is not EV infrastructure. Our expertise is running a city. And so we're looking to the private market to help us with that. We issued an RFI, Request for Information, to help determine that business model back in April. We received over 31 responses, which is excellent. And we hope to go through all of that right now, develop that business model, and hopefully put out a request for proposal late summer, early fall, so that when the federal infrastructure bill rolls out, we have partners named and we're ready to go. We're also in the process of relaunching our Green Cincinnati plan. And so our Green Cincinnati plan is our plan of action. We held a kickoff meeting last week where we had over 300 people come to the Cincinnati Zoo. We received thousands of public comments. We have online surveys going on right now. And we'll start to begin the community engagement process to lay out our bold and ambitious plan. One of the things that we're really looking to do in this climate action plan is really center equity. What you're looking at here is a heat map of the city of Cincinnati, and you're also looking at a tree canopy cover. And when you overlay those on top of each other, you notice that there's, pre there's a pretty good correlation. What you don't see in that map is that those areas that are hotter also have high levels of impervious surfaces, have large buildings, and typically have black, brown, and low-income community residents. And so one of the things that we're looking to do in the Green Cincinnati Plan is address the systematic inequalities, the built environment that our residents live in, all of our residents, but also work to specifically target and name recommendations to address the climate equity. Because we know that climate change will not hit everyone equally. We know that those without air conditioners are poorer or black or brown. These are things that we know. And so we need, as we go forward, as we put that climate action plan in place, we need to make specific thoughts to center sustainability, to center climate resiliency, and to center equity so that we can have a full plan that really lays out ambitious goals like we have done previously, but also rises up our neighborhood. So the new goal for the Green Cincinnati Plan 
Unfortunately, the science is saying that 80% by 2050 will not get us there. The new goal for the Green Cincinnati Plan is to be net zero by 2050 with a 50% goal by 2030. Can we do it? That's a very different question. But we have to lay out bold and ambitious plans and goals in order to move us forward. With that, I'll turn it over for questions. Michael, thanks very much for being with us. It's always great to have you as a speaker at our events. We look forward to your future participation and involvement with Smart Energy Decisions. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for tuning into the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you've enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. To learn more about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, just click on the link in the show notes for details. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.